1: Uh, man, a lot of us are church leaders. Uh, a lot of us are involved in church, but maybe leading in the marketplace. And I just love it when Rich Birch is on the podcast. He's been on a few times. And uh, I sit down and talk to Rich because he's he's unlike almost anybody else that I know. He's worked at three large like mega churches that are multi-site and helped launch like a lot of campuses. And he studies growth. And one of the things he shares with us today is what the 6% of growing churches do, particularly in respect of their weekend services, that 94% of churches don't. Like there's just common denominators among what growing organizations do. And he's actually talking about basically how to do what you're already doing better. Like your messages drive so much of what happens on the weekend. And honestly, we don't talk about them enough. And Rich talks about how to talk about that in a really helpful way. So I think you're going to love this. Plus, he's got uh, some really great stuff for church leaders you are going to want to check out. And I want to thank you for gifting me and us with your time today. I know how precious your time is. Uh, Some of you are listening at this. Do you play this game? Like, can I listen at 1.5 or 1.75? Uh, I find 1.5 is my max for podcasts. And that was only recently, like until like a few months ago. I was like, no, got to listen in real time. But now that seems real slow. Anyway, hey, I hope you're going to get a lot of value out of today. I think you will. That's why I had Rich on. And hey, I'm so excited about how many leaders have been jumping on to what Pro Media Fire is doing. Because here's a problem we opened 2019 with for a lot of leaders it's like, I know I got to get serious about digital don't have the budget for staff well what if you had a whole cloud-based creative team that could do that for a fraction of the price of hiring a staff member Uh, a lot of churches overwhelmed trying to keep up with the demands of social media church media series promotion all that stuff there's a brand new service called pro media fire lots of our listeners are jumping on board uh, you're actually the first to hear about it. And the only place they're talking about it is on this podcast. It is a cloud-based church creative team. So what do you get if you sign up? And I mean, seriously, you this is a fraction of what you pay a staff member, but you get unlimited graphic design services, Unlimited custom church videos for a monthly flat fee. The creative team has got over 30 years combined experience working for ministries. And because you listen to this podcast, you will get a special launch offer. 10% off all plans for life and 40% off the media bundle for life with unlimited graphic design and video services. So how do you find that? Go to promediafire.com slash carry, and you'll get the launch special. So that's promediafire.com forward slash C-A-R-E-Y, carry. You'll save 10 to 40% now. And Rethink Leadership is getting close. It is one of my favorite things I do all year. It's happening May 1st and 2nd in Atlanta. And the question is, are you in? We have all kinds of top church and business leaders gathering. And if you're tired of conferences, you need to come to Rethink Leadership. Uh, This one's personal. That's what our theme is this year. It's brand new content. So everything that we are presenting has never been presented before. That is the deal with all of our speakers. The talks are short and the affinity conversations or breakouts, for lack of a better term, are even shorter. We, as presenters, are only allowed to talk for 15 minutes and then we engage your questions. Lots of interviews, roundtable conversation, access to the people who usually retreat to the green room, and like-minded leaders. It's happening May 1st and 2nd in Atlanta, Georgia. We've got Brad Lominick, Darius Daniels, Mike Foster, Kara Powell, Elliot Crowther, Danielle Strickland, Facebook's Nona Jones, and so many more. I'll be there. I'll be speaking so will John Acuff and uh yeah. Oh, I mentioned John, right. And Brad. Yeah. So all that. Uh, you get a special discount if you register before February 21st. So head on over to rethinkleadership.com. Plus, you'll also get a $50 credit toward any orange curriculum that your church purchases. So go to rethinkleadership.com. I will see you in Atlanta in May. I can't wait. And in the meantime, let's jump into my conversation with Rich Birch. Rich is an author. He is also a guy who blogs and podcasts over at unseminary.com. One of my favorite people. He's also a great personal friend. Here's my conversation in studio with Rich Birch. Rich Birch, welcome back to the podcast.
0: Barry, thank you so much for having me. It is a cold blustery day here in canada and but it's i am like, so glad to be here today you, last week you were in antigua guatemala <laughs> I, where which it was is beautiful what? i well, I walked around thinking this is where i need to retire not here in canada but people it, do that i know like they
1: actually retire in yeah, it's guatemala beautiful. it's beautiful there but, i was in yeah. nashville and yes. it was like uh 74 degrees oh that's nice and Nashville's great nashville minus Vegas. 600 <laughs>
0: <laughs> nice, glad to be Playing here. Today, into Carrie. the Canadian stereotype. Yeah, well, I know. We are we are today. It's amazing. Carrie <laughs> Newhoff World Headquarters, <laughs> exactly. Also known as basement of my house. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. In my studio. Exactly. Glad yeah. to be here.
1: Uh, all right. Well, Rich, uh, it's a big day. Uh, we're pretty excited because you got a brand new resource that you are rolling out for the first time on church growth.
0: Yeah. I'm super excited to be here today, Carrie, and excited to talk about church growth. And, you know, I find I found over the last number of years, I just keep talking about church growth. Everywhere I go, I, I end up, you know, interacting with people. Last year, I wrote a book. That was the last time I was yeah. on the podcast. And and thanks again for having me back. And and yeah, I just find myself uh, really obsessing a little bit on this topic.
1: So on that note, like church growth has a bad name. Oh, absolutely. Right? Yeah. But you found, because you've been writing for years online and mm-hmm. on seminary.com, I've been writing on my blog, Every time you talk about church growth, all these people who say, ah, oh, you know, they they read. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
0: <laughs> like, absolutely. So what is that? Well, I think at the heart, church leaders got into church, this thing that we do, which is really hard. We got mm-hmm. into it because we want to see people take steps closer to Jesus and, yeah. and we want to impact our culture. And so... An outcome of that is the fact that our churches grow, you know, and, yeah. and that, you know, you, your church can't grow unless you're making an impact in the culture. Now, you may be able to get a growth spurt. You might be able to like, you know, get a couple hundred people from the disgruntled church across town. But then what people figure out is you don't want those people, <laughs> you know, that ultimately if you want to see your church grow in a healthy way, you end up trying to reach and attract people who don't normally attend church. And so I think the reason why people are interested in this topic is because really when we get back to why we got it. ministry it's at the core of it none of us got into ministry because we wanted to lead dying churches we got into ministry because we want to uh you know see people take steps closer to christ and that ultimately trickles down into seeing more people uh, come to our churches but the reality of it is most churches in our country are are in decline you know that that number we've talked about before here on the podcast 94 percent of all churches are losing ground against the growth of the communities they're in. So so that means that, um, you know, even churches that are growing, there's o- over half of the churches that are growing, aren't growing as quickly as the communities they're in, which means that the message of Christ is losing its influence in our culture, which we know that. That's mm-hmm. not a new number. It's not like, whoa, shocker, surprise. Uh, and, and so for me, I think the reason why I'm interested in tr- talking about church growth and why I think so many people are interested in in kind of wrestling through it is because it's really at the heart of why we got into ministry.
1: Yeah, do you think there's something inherent in the kingdom of God that is expansive? Like it's advancing, it's growing.
0: Absolutely. Well, I do think healthy things grow. And so I, and I don't think that's just like a great sticky statement. (laughs) Like I think it's actually true. And so, you know, we're trying, we're all trying to figure out how can we see our churches be healthier so that we can ultimately impact people. And I do think, you know, embedded into the message of Christ and embedded into what we're called to do as people who follow Jesus is to, to, uh, to multiply, to, to, to see the message go beyond, right? I think God's kind of last, as Jesus was going up there, in Acts uh, chapter one, right? He, which I love that picture in Acts chapter one, right? They come to him and they say, uh, you know, the the apostles, they come to him and they're like, hey, like, so is now the time we get to kick out the Romans? Uh, And he's like, listen, guys, don't worry about that. That's not your time. And then he says this amazing thing, right? Go and be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And then he disappears, right? He goes up into the clouds. And, And I can just imagine the apostles standing there and being like, what did he just say? <laughs> like, yeah, what, what, yeah, what was yeah, that again? Yeah. And, and it's embedded in what we're called to do is to take the message beyond, right? Is to go beyond ourselves, to go beyond our Jerusalem, to go beyond just our little town, our, our community, our, and I would say a lot of our churches, even in, you know, we've, our Jerusalem is just literally the, the four walls of our church getting mm-hmm. beyond that and saying, Hey, how are we reaching people who aren't here today?
1: Now, okay. I'm just going to play devil's advocate for a minute because when I've I've, I think I've quoted you, healthy church grows. I'm not sure that originated with you, but healthy things grow. Uh, one of the things I've seen online is, well, cancer grows, that's not healthy,
0: right what what? Yeah, it's a good question. Okay, mm-hmm. that's a good question. So, yeah, I there's there's a corollary where, you know, every growing church isn't necessarily healthy, right? That mm. there 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 can be um, you know, a type of growth that now my experience has been when when you see that kind of rapid um, you know, overnight growth uh, that's unchecked uh, it, it that it, it doesn't last in the long term you know churches that that sustain over an extended period of time have a a balance of both uh reaching and then helping the people who they're reaching grow up in their relationship with Christ you have to be doing both this kind of idea of you know evangelism and discipleship is funny it goes back to literally the stuff we talked about in seminary you know that that evangelism discipleship are both sides of this are two sides of one coin you can't you can't do one without the other now and, and and I think there is this weird modern fallacy that I think is happening in a lot of our churches where we seem to think you can only do one or the other. You know, we seem to think um, you know, you you have to be either all about evangelism or all about discipleship. And I actually just don't think that's true. I think a fully uh you know devoted follower of Christ is a person that worries about what it means to reach people, you know, outside the walls. I don't think you can do one without the other. You know, you can't, you can't just keep going. Deeper in. You can't just keep reading more and more scripture. Now, the flip side of that, I think if if we're really honest about trying to make an impact in our culture, uh, we've got to help the people who we're reaching grow up in their relationship with Christ. That, you know, we've got to see people who are, you know, unchurch folks who get connected to see those people ultimately get plugged in. And, and I think that just works out even, even just personally over with people I've worked in with in the years, you know, and, and you've talked about this, you've written some great stuff about this around the attractional church there is, is a part of that. And that's been my bread and butter. That's been, I feel like every time we come on the show, we end up talking about the attractional church, but that has been, you know, that's been where I've spent most of my life, but that's where most of the growth has been over the last 20 years. Right. But if I'm honest with the people who've come into our church, nothing that we do on the weekend is interesting enough to keep people connected long-term. It's just not like, you know, (laughs) you carry, you're a great communicator. You have a lot of good things to say, but no sticky statement will make people stick. You know, you, you, you can't, uh, long term, uh, you've got to move people beyond that. And ultimately, that's about where they at in their relationship. And that's the groups and getting people connected, getting them serving. I really, you know, we've got to help people put their faith in action. It's got to connect to real life, all of those things. Uh, so anyways, how does that connect? I think, you know, yes, cancer grows. Uh, <laughs> yeah. uh, but it, it, it you know, where I think that analogy starts to to break down is when we look at, you know, what God and in, in, in when we read the New Testament, what we see is this balance. I mean, I've been struck, I've been rereading, it's early in the year. I've been rereading uh, through the New Testament this year and, and struck by this super balance of... You know, evangelism and discipleship, see both of those happening, both throughout, um, you know, the, the gospels and then also in Acts, you see this idea of reaching out, but then seeing people who are, uh, who have made a connection, uh, getting connected and growing deep as well at the same time.
1: Well, I think the other thing you can say, Rich, quite honestly, is that stagnant things are not healthy. Like, right. if you look at stagnant water, when I mean, you got a glass right. of water right now yes. in the studio. <laughs> I said, hey, Rich, that thing's been stagnant for about three years. Yes. And right. uh, there's a little bit of fungus on the bottom. Yeah. You'd be right, like, right, eh, right. yeah. And and decline. Like, I understand plateaus for a season. Yep. I understand, yep. okay, this is a different season, or yep. we're in decline because we're retooling, right. re-whatever, imagining. But overall, right. I think the trajectory of the kingdom and the trajectory of any organization Uh, should be toward the outsider and should be toward growth. Now, question for you, because we have a lot of business leaders listening too. Mm -hmm. Is any of what we're talking about today applicable generally across the board?
0: Oh, absolutely. When we get into some nuts and bolts here a little bit later in the conversation, you know, I I do think at at its core... Um, you know, it's, it's not rocket science. Why do churches grow? A part of why, um, you know, what I've been doing over these last number of years is interviewing prevailing church leaders um, and, you know, interviewing particularly church leaders who are leading in some of the fastest growing churches in, uh, in the country. And, you know, if you're a church, if you're a a business leader listening in today, uh, the the reality of it is uh, what we do in the church world is a lot harder than what a lot of businesses do. Uh, And not trying to like, I'm not trying to set up a, a competition, but it's, it's people making faith decisions. That's a, significantly, uh, that's a real core decision in people's lives. It, it's it's difficult for people to make that kind of decision. And we're seeing from these growing churches that are bucking a significant trend. So if you think about it, just from a business point of view, 96% of the the organizations in this industry are, are, are shrinking. If you, are sorry, 94% of the churches in, in this industry are shrinking. We're looking at the 6% that have been growing. Think about that in your own industry. Um, you know, th- think about those areas that are those kind of business, in your industry that are growing i would suspect that the same thing we're seeing a similar dynamic the churches that are growing really all they're doing is encouraging their people to invite their friends they're encouraging their people to reach out that is it's not really any more more rocket science than that i was actually even just before we we, uh, we got on the call here today, I was talking to a church leader who was kind of, you know, a little bit agitated with some of the mm-hmm. stuff I've been talking about church growth. And and I said, listen, I, I, I you can fight me on statistics. You can like try to discredit all this stuff. But at its core... Uh, churches that grow, grow because people who are in that church are excited about what's happening there and are inviting their friends. And the same is true for a business leader. The reason why your businesses grow is because uh, people that you serve are so excited about what you're doing, they're going to share it with other people.
1: Um, Well, and a great example, Rich, like uh, I listened to Donald Miller's podcast, the StoryBrand podcast. So I don't know that you heard the episode about the Savannah Bananas, but this guy named Jesse yeah, 34 years old. So one of my team members, Uh her family is from Savannah. Okay, And I mentioned this at our retreat recently. And she's like, yeah, all my friends and my parents, like they're going to the Savannah Bananas. And like, that was dead. Right, and yeah. we'll link to that in the show notes Fantastic. for people who want yeah, to see yeah, totally. it. But I, and I think about these principles too, mm-hmm. because you know you worked at our church for mm-hmm. a season. You've been at Liquid Church, one of the fastest growing churches on the East Coast. Yep, uh, for what seven years? Seven years. Yep, seven years. Mm-hmm. You were at the Meeting House, yep. uh, which at the time was the fastest growing and became mm-hmm. one of the largest churches in Canada. Yep, our native country. Mm-hmm. So I mean, you've seen this, but I've also seen this for those of you who listen to Rich on on, on seminary on the mm-hmm. Unseminary podcast on your Unseminary blog, mm-hmm. you apply these principles, mm-hmm. things grow. And more recently in the last two years, you took over a camp, like a summer camp for right. kids. Right. That was not having its best days. Right. And all of a sudden within six months, 18 months, or not not even 18 months, but six months, you're moving to all-time record years. Yeah, like absolutely. Like over a 70-year window. So it's right. not like, oh yeah, it's three years old, we got all-time records. No, over seven decades. Right. This is the strongest and the best it's been. So if you're listening through whatever lens, this is why I keep having Rich back. This is why we're implementing some of the things that Rich talks about at Connexus Church, where I serve. Mm-hmm. And really you and I talk about marketing a lot mm-hmm. and I learned a ton from you. Oh, I appreciate so, that man. So this is, this is really good. I just wanted to say, even though we're drilling down on the nuts and bolts of mm-hmm. like, Church growth, right? Whatever you happen to lead, whether that's a not-for-profit, a for-profit, you know, a storefront. The principles or, are the same. Yeah, yeah, principles work across the road, and even back to the Savannah Bananas. Right. <laughs> uh, a lot of that is a different business model and raving fans, word of mouth. Um, in you know, a team that is so far down from Major League Baseball, nobody stands a chance of ever making it right. to the show. Right. Right. Totally. But they're sold out for years in advance. So. Mm-hmm. Uh, Rich, so you've worked for three growing churches. Mm-hmm. Um, you talk a little bit about that? Because these are some similarities. These are the things that, although they were three different churches, um, they became larger, fast-growing, um, multi-site, etc. cetera, during your leadership. Mm-hmm. Well, and what's interesting about you is you and I have talked about this, and I know you wouldn't raise it unless I raised it, but you may have the most experience of almost anyone in church world in leading multi-site launches, in large churches.
0: Yeah, it's a funny, it, it, I keep saying this in other contexts. I don't, um, so I was involved in 13 launches where I was in the driver's seat for launches in campuses. And I keep looking for someone else who's done more. I'm assuming there is someone out there, yeah, yeah, uh, but I haven't run into them yet. In three different churches. In so three it's three not different like, churches. okay, we right. launched
1: 13 out of this one thing. <clears throat> no, but, right. Yeah.
0: Absolutely. And so one of the things I realized, even and I would say this is, even over the last, I would say year or two, I become, um, you know, you have your own story. And as you get older, you start to get a bit more reflective on your own story. You're like, hey, what is that God's been doing in in your life? And a lot of your life, I feel like, I have spent, and, and you're a more you know self-reflective leader than I am, Carrie. But I do feel like I've just kind of like I've just done what I've done, and I'm like, okay, I, you live your life, and then. But then I do realize that yeah, it's a bit unique that I have I have this unique experience that I've led in uh, three churches that all have grown. Uh, multiples of them have gone from you know a thousand people to three, four, five thousand people, which is super unique. That's just yeah, not that, you're, in, you're in
1: the top half a percent. At yeah, that it's point. A,
0: it's a strange kind of environment, and it, all of those. Were was in, was not the lead pastor, but was in, uh, you know, significant leadership roles. in oh, you're that.
1: basically the operations
0: guy. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Executive pastor operations, that kind of thing in those churches. And so that has given me a unique vantage point. And, and then obviously in the same experience, you just mentioned it, this, you know, camp that I've been uh, working for or um, running has been, you know, experiencing similar kind of growth. And you start thinking like, oh, maybe there's something I'm learning here that I need to be a bit more self-reflective <laughs> on and say, hey, because I do have, I, I would say, and this goes back, like even mm. to when I was, in ministry school, I remember earnestly asking professors and didn't really get good answers. <laughs> like, why is... I remember asking at the time, I would, I would phrase the question around revival. I would say, you know, professor, help me understand revival because that's what I want to have happen in our country. Mm. Um, I would say like, is... And I would pose the question like this. Is it that God loved the people in that area more and that time more, and then his spirit moved in a way... And a whole bunch of people came to know him, or was it that you know the people who were leading that kind of knew something that had some sort of special knowledge that uh, they were applying that then caused the gospel to to spread? And and the reality of it is kind of those both ends of that spectrum are 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 kind of unsatisfactory. They're not. I don't think it's it was that God uh, you know loves people in that part of the world at that time more. Uh, I think he he loves everybody and, and then I th- don't think it's by human design uh you know but i I do think that it that the leaders in that day understood something that that we need to understand you know you know in our world there are there's human dynamics that we we're, we're living with there are you know kind of just the realities of how we get people to interact uh, you know with each other so uh, you know early on you know I've been asking this question for all these years and I realized oh maybe there's something about my leadership and there's about kind of how I've positioned my my life to think about, you know, how can we help things grow? And I would say I, um, I've wanted to over the years share the things that we've been learning with other church leaders to help them be more effective. For years, I've talked about, you know, execution, like how do you practically do things? But it all has come back to the same question, which is, I want to make sure that, pe- that churches are reaching more people. Like, and, and all yeah. the times, and I would say I have, and, and I would say I had it this year at our Christmas Eve service at Conexus. I, I, I thought Christmas Eve at Connexus was amazing. It yeah, was, it was yeah, great. Fantastic service. All time high. Yeah, it was more, great. Most people ever. And, and, and this is probably, uh, and I, I probably need to spend more time with my therapist. On this, but but there's a part of me at the end of that though. I was like, man, I wish there was twice as many people here. Like, <laughs> I, I was like, I thought you killed it. Oh, from, you're a leader, I, yeah. But I and I I thought I thought you killed it from a message point of view. I thought, man, it was such a clear presentation. I thought I thought the band did such a great job. I thought it was inspirational. I thought, man, there's there were people who were here tonight. They took a step closer to Christ. And man, it was fantastic. And and even though it was like record attendance, I was like, yeah, it would have been great if we had twice as many people. And like and 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 i have the default of my leadership has been that over the years you know saying hey wh- what can we do to try to reach more people next year and how do I we pass that along
1: i think there's a lot of leaders who feel that way
0: yeah, absolutely you For know sure.
1: where where you hit a milestone whether it's all time attendance at your church or you know wow 7 million downloads on the podcast right why right. isn't it 14 yes <laughs> exactly <laughs> so, exactly so you get to that place but this is this is the stuff they don't teach you in seminary right. they don't teach you in business school they don't teach you uh, like growth and what is catch because uh, you know here's 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 the thing you get to even as a writer as an yep. author, it's like John Acuff says I've never known an author who didn't want his or her book to get read right right True. like nobody nobody publishes a book and it's like I hope nobody reads this right. like you're just a weird duck if you do right. that and and yet you get into that place well is this self promotion or how does that happen. And there are principles, there are books that take off. There are books that sell multiple thousands of copies. You're an author, as well as a blogger and a podcaster and leader, you know? And then there are books that don't. There are businesses that take off. Like, you know, you come to my house, there's a Nest thermostat. Why is Nest done so well? You know, there's there were lots of there. people who are doing smart technology with that, but why have they done so well? Why did Amazon take over the internet, you right. know? Right. Why is Walmart still prevailing? Right. When so many, you know, Kmart Sears are wobbling and Walmart is expanding. Um, fascinating questions. And it all goes back to growth that they right. don't teach you in business school or seminary. Right. So reflect on your own seminary experience. Yeah, so
0: I remember when I was in ministry school, I think there was only, an, and I was, I was trying to rack my brain because I've been saying this publicly recently because <laughs> I don't want to misrepresent this, but I, I really can only remember like a half of one lecture that was on church growth. So like three hour lecture, wow. you know, like an hour and a half. Uh, There might have been more, but I don't recall any of it. And um, I don't know why that is. You know, I think it was a miss in my training. You know, I think it was a, and it could be a miss in a lot of our, in our training. You know, there was this idea that, you know, just preach the word and people will show up, right? Just Mm -hmm uh, you know, just, uh, you
1: just, I'm not sure we got that far. I think we got to just preach the word.
0: Right. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. That's probably true. That is probably true. Yeah. That is actually probably true. We didn't
1: even talk about people showing up.
0: Right. It's true. And, and there was, there's this whole thing around, and I've said this in other contexts, there's this whole thing around. I did not realize that I was running a small business until I was probably 10 years into ministry. Like it didn't even dawn on me that like, oh, right. Like We have to, and I obviously knew we had to pay bills and all that stuff, but there are normal business dynamics that that I think in so, in some circles, and there may be leaders even as we're listening to talking today that could become uncomfortable for us even talking like that, but it's just true you you there are these kind of normal dynamics and and marketing or or seeing people get exposed to what you do is a normal dynamic of any organization and it's a definitely normal dynamic in our local church so yeah I, it it makes me sad uh, that I you know I, I think there was only half of one lecture, and it was seemed to be a whole area, and then the other part of it is when I was in ministry school there, and that I used to say it was not that long ago, but you know, mid '90s is getting farther and farther in the past. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah. you know, church growth at the time. But I think back to what it was. It was a lot of guys with like binders and like overheads, and and you know, there was a lot of fill in the blank forms, and and I I think some good diagrams. It's lots of diagrams, <laughs> and I think some of that uh, kind of rubbed off where we. Th- those were the church growth experts. Were those guys right? The guys that were like. You know, it was almost like their their mode of communication um, kind of communicated something like, hey, you should not be paying attention to these people. Because even at that point, we realized, oh, this probably isn't the future of how communication is going. And so I think it, it the the term, like you mentioned this earlier, the term itself has fallen out of kind of, it's not a cool term by any means. Uh, but I think we're still interested in what's behind it. Uh, yeah. for, and, and we and we have to be, we have to keep thinking about it for sure.
1: Okay. So let's get practical. Nuts and bolts. Right, totally. Um, Repetitive processes, you right. write about, not quick fixes, because I think we all want to be the overnight success.
0: Oh, totally, which is
1: never overnight, right. ever. Look at Rachel Hollis, who's yes. blowing up. Right. she hit
0: Girl, a million
1: Instagram followers <laughs> yes. this year already in it's 2019, amazing. and you know she—I think this was her sixth book—and right. she's been like hustling for a decade. Right, and then finally she has her moment right. where something goes viral.
0: Right. Is that is that similar? Totally. You know, I see this all the time with church leaders, particularly when we're thinking about church growth. Uh, You know, we're looking for the latest hack. And so we're looking for like, can you just tell me the magic algorithm with, you know, Facebook ads, or can you send me, you know, a radio ad to do, you know, can you send me something that just will will cause my church to grow? And I'm going to press this button. Yes. And next week, next quarter, our business is like exploding. And that just doesn't happen. If you look at, you know, growing churches, even fast growing churches all the time, and you've interviewed a lot of these pastors as well, but a lot of times, you know, we go through at our podcast, we'll go through and, and contact those leaders when they, all the guys that come up or church leaders that come up, they're new on the list, we contact them, try to get them on the show and and you know the the conversation ends up something like this like, hey wow, this is amazing, you had huge growth this last year and and for them it does have this like yeah, it's been a long time coming you know this yeah. is it's <laughs> like it's up the middle football, right it's like we've been running down you know it's been we've been taking one yard at a time uh you know game it's it's not like with this some Hail Mary we figured some magic formula out it's 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 been repetitive processes so it's the kind of thing uh, that and this is at the core of what we talk about at Church Growth Flywheel, that rather than thinking about kind of this, this microwave approach, it's it's really a slow cooker. This idea of what are we repeating over and over and over and over. One of the things I realized at Liquid was uh, we promoted our series in the same way. Uh, we used the kind of same process uh, 36 series in a row, 36 months in a row, 30 series in a row. We, we did the exact same thing. Now, every series was obviously different, but we followed the same process. And I actually am convinced that's a part of why that, why they continue to grow to this day, because they've stuck on that. They've kept with it. And, and so for, for us, I think when we're thinking about growth in our church or in our business, the question is not, what is the one thing we can do today, but what are successful businesses that are growing over or churches that are growing over an extended period of time? What are they doing repeatedly? What are they keeping on top of? What is their, what is their knitting? And you can see this, you know, folks that are listening in, I'm assuming have have listened to Carrie and you're a part of that. You do this with your emails. You know, you, Mm. you're, you're like a dog on those, man. I get them all the time. I open. But terrifying. No, no, it's amazing. It's great because, you know, yeah, am I going to read all of them? No, I don't read all of them, but man, there's a lot that come through that I open up and it keeps you top of mind. It keeps you, you know, I'm thinking like, oh, wow, there's some good insights today. I wonder what Kerry's talking about. I wonder what, you know, his latest blog post is, what his latest guest is. That keeps you top of mind. It would be easy to just be like, well, I've got this killer guest coming on and I'm just going to email about that. But no, you keep on top of it. The same is in our church. You know, what are those things? And so, you know, for us, I think the question we should be yeah, asking. Can you,
1: can you drill down? on the church growth flywheel. I know we totally. talked about that before, but yep. I want you to, to zero in on some of the, the key points and get totally. specific because we've been using it at Conexus now yep. for two or three years. Yep. And at first you think this is way too much, right. like way, way, way too much, Rich. Your you're, people are gonna hate me. It was like when I went to almost daily emails, I thought, this is it, everyone unsubscribes. And just the opposite happens. People are more grateful, people are more engaged. But can you can you walk us through some of the, the just broad strokes, some of the things that people need to be doing?
0: Yeah, absolutely. So my, the mindset part first. Uh, why? What is a flywheel? So, um, you know, this idea of a flywheel. When I was a kid uh, at the park around the corner from my house, there was a merry-go-round. Yeah, I don't know if you had those in your 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 area, yeah, yeah. but yeah, it was like a big metal disc with those four posts on it, and you'd put your foot up on the disc and then you put your foot on the ground and you would push. And if you remember, you pushed the first time around. It was like so much work to push Push around uh that first time. And then the second time, it was still a lot of work. It was a little bit less. And then the third time was a little bit less and a little bit less. And eventually what happened is you kept pushing to the point where, you know, you're, you're pushing hard until the point you're hardly pushing. And so it's the same is true with church growth. There are things that we just have to get on and say so we got to do time and time again. Series promotion is one of the things I mentioned earlier. The question is, what are the five, six, seven, eight at at Connexus or at, at at Liquid? We did eight things every time we went through. Like we're going to make stuff like we're going to do a, a video for every series, a trailer for every series. We're going to have invite cards that we're going to hand out the week before. We're going to do a series of emails that are going to land in people's uh, you know inboxes and a bunch of other stuff that we did. Every every single series. And the reason why we did every series is because, hey, like we're going through, we're going through, we just finished up a series at Conexus on, you know, the end of the world, which is amazing. There are some people who are like super engaged on that content. So we're going to talk about that. We're going to promote that. There's other people that aren't as engaged on that, which is fine. But if we, for us, we, if we don't promote every series as if it's the kind of series that people want to invite their friends to, there will be series where people who in the back of their head, they're thinking, Oh, maybe I should invite my friends, but they haven't said that I should invite my friends to this, so I won't. Now I know that sounds crazy, but it's true. If if you don't tell your people, hey, this next coming series is a series you should invite your friends to, there will be people who will opt out of that. And so what we want to do is keep on top of that. Now that's that's just one particular area. There's a bunch of areas of your church we're kind of keeping on top or prom- promoting, you know, on a regular basis. And really, how do we, you know, just keep doing this? Which I think for some leaders, we we get the shiny objects syndrome, right? Mm-hmm. We're like, what's the latest thing? What's Because again, it's easier. It's easier to think like, if I just spent $25 on a Facebook ad, you know, we'll get a hundred new people this week. Well, that's just not going to happen. That's not how it happens. It's 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 an over an extended uh, period well, of time. Well, what's,
1: what's interesting about that to me is number one, it assumes decent content. So again, whether you're talking about a hundred people, 50 people, a thousand people, 10,000 people, right it assumes that what you're producing on a Sunday morning has some level of quality to right. it and shareability to yes. it. But it gets back to how you describe Christmas Eve, which is, it's great. We have thousands of people in attendance, but wouldn't it be great to see 7,000? Right, right, right. right. And, and there's the idea that if it worked for a hundred, if a hundred people are going, man, that was that was a great message, Rich. Like, thank you so much. In the noise that we're in in the world, right. there could be 200 in the room but people just forgot about right. it or they forgot to invite their friends or they didn't know they could and and I know this sounds so elemental but people honestly don't think they can bring their friends
0: no absolutely no that's very true and 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 they won't think about who they're supposed to invite they're, they right. and you have to give them you have to walk them through that and talk them through that time and time and time again um, we know that only two percent of people, uh, you know, every year will uh, in a typical church will invite their friends, which is a crime. Like that's terrible. Uh, and so, we, say that again. How, only, how many? Only two percent. Lifeway did this study probably five six years ago, where they found that two uh, percent of people uh, in kind of the evangelical church world invite a friend in a in a year or had invited a friend in the last twelve months. And, and that's a problem. Like, you yeah. know, we know that the reason why churches grow is because people invite their friends. And so if your people aren't inviting their friends, you know, obviously, you know, your church is not going to grow. And so we've got to work hard at that particular issue, which is how are we increasing the invitability? And a part of it is doing exactly what you said is it's the call to action. This would be a great series. You know, the joke around liquid became internally letting you know, a little bit of an internal uh, joke is, you know, every series, the next series was always going to be the best series ever, <laughs> yeah. right? It always was going to be the, in fact, I, I heard on, I compared it to, apparently on Saturday Night Live, they have this tradition where they, uh, in the first meeting of the week, they say like, oh, this week we've got Kerry Newhoff on uh, Saturday Night Live and people are like, oh, that's great. And then they'll be like, next week we've got Craig Rochelle. and then everyone's like, <laughs> Like they're always cheer for the guy who's coming up next, not right. the guy who's on. That's apparently a tradition there. And it, all, it was almost like series had that feel internally at, at Liquid where it was like, we would get a series out the door and then we would already start talking about the next series. Like, wow, this is going to be a very, a very special series series. And so, you know, the integral joke was like, well, the next series, man, that next series that next
1: series is the best, best ever,
0: favorite, best ever series ever, you know? And, and, and so, you know, and, and although some of that's kind of tongue in cheek, but it is true. Like we've got to have a constant forward orientation. Hey, what is coming up next? And how do we get, you know, how do we get people excited about and fighting their friends? It's, I like to call it the Netflix effect. You know, I don't know if you've ever had this on yeah. Netflix where you're like trying to find something to watch. I still have not watched Bird Box. You're, you're trying to find something to watch, uh, but, but you're worried that you're going to miss something else. And so you find yourself just scrolling through that never-ending list of, you know, of videos. Why that is, is because your brain is trying to figure out what's coming up next. And the same is true with our churches. We need to be not just what's on now, but then what's coming up next. And we do that through repetitive process. We say, okay, what are we going to, let's stop debating, are we going to promote the next series? We're going to promote the next series. Uh, The question is, what are we going to use and how do we, you know, just keep on top of that?
1: Yeah, and you've got details like exactly how to do that, what that looks like, um, et cetera. That scale, whether you're a small church with no budget, Or a very large church with like staff
0: and... Right, resources. absolutely. Well, and that's the thing, the good thing about the era we live in is uh, you know, I a good friend of mine pastors a church in uh, Sarasota, Florida, and you know, there he's a church planner. He's a couple hundred people, 200 and just over 250, 250, you know, around 200 to 250 people. And like they're doing uh, this kind of the same level of promotion that churches literally 10 times their size are doing mm-hmm. because they can, because the resources are available online. You can, you know, it's actually fairly easy to find this stuff. It's more about sticking with it. It's more about and in some ways, actually, I think smaller churches have an advantage. Larger churches, they we we have staff, which is amazing, but but those people can find themselves being intrigued with the light, the latest shiny object thing. They, mm-hmm. they get interested in. And and I see this happen all the time where, you know, if you spend any time on Facebook, people start talking about, you know, again, some strategy, some online thing, some billboard campaign, some whatever that this one church did. But you know what? At the end of the day, most churches grow because people in that church talk to their friends. And so if mm. we, we've all, I am convinced that every church that's listening in today, you're not doing enough getting your people to invite their friends. If you would just spend this year and double down on that, I'm convinced you'd see church growth. I'm I'm convinced you'd see more people uh, a year from now plugged in.
1: Well, I think what, what resonates with me is what you're driving at, is that we are still all looking for the silver bullet. We are looking for the one series idea, uh, for the billboard that's going to change the world, yep. for the Facebook ad or the social post that's going to go viral, and that will tip everything over right. in the direction we want it to. But what I hear you saying is, Uh, No, it's all the small things that you do. Excellence is a repeated habit. You know, culture change is a repeated habit. And if you get into the habit of every series, frankly, whether you think it's your best series or not, absolutely, right, right, um, just inviting your friends and getting your congregation ready to do that,
0: you will see results. Absolutely, even just the bare minimum. Like this is a takeaway everybody could do. Like if if every weekend, and and you do this in your teaching, Carrie. If you're if you're looking for an example of this, you should listen to Carrie. He does this on a regular basis you should have a part of every message that that tells people why they should come back next week and have and, and invite a friend. If you're not, if you're not just bare minimum doing that, like if you're not somewhere in your message saying like, Hey, it's been so great to talk about this part of this thing next week, but next week we're going to be talking about that, that alone, just that habit of saying, Hey, on a regular basis, we're going to articulate why people should come back next week. Uh, that will drive, you know, growth in your church. A great
1: way to do that just to bake it in without sounding salesy yeah. is to say, you're probably wondering, well, what right. does that say about evil? Well, actually, we're going to look at that in part three of the series. Absolutely. So if you got questions, yeah, that's absolutely. when we're going to go there. And then people are like, well, that was what I was asking. Yeah, so, totally. you know, but it, it creates that sense. And and the reason I'm so passionate about having people in the room and inviting their friends is I really believe that frequency helps when it comes to discipleship. Absolutely. You know, there's a big difference between the person who reads the scripture and prays daily and the person who does it once a quarter. Right. I really I really just believe it. Absolutely. I'm not saying one is saved and the other is not. No. There's a difference between the person who watches what they eat every day and goes to the gym 4 times a week. Mm-hmm. And the person who like, you know, January 1st through 7th is in the gym and then forgets about it for the rest of right. the year. True. Yeah, a little bit guilty. Yeah. But uh, anyway, I'll, oh, sorry about that, everybody. <laughs> so, yeah. so, you know, and 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 that idea that when you have people engaged in their faith and right. engaged in what is happening personally and organizationally, you see progress. So let's talk about invitability, yep. Rich. Mm-hmm. What are some key ingredients in invitability for churches to think about and church leaders to think about?
0: Totally. So here's the takeaway. I, if you're a church leader or a business leader, you know, listening in today, you know, there's those kind of super fans. There's those people who mm. in, in the church world, we say, you know, there are these people who are always inviting a friend. They always have somebody on their arm. They're always like talking about this. Uh, what if you grabbed a coffee with that person this week and asked them this question, said, okay, what do you say to people when you invite them to our church? Like try ah. try to re recraft that conversation. And and what you're trying to get at is this nuanced difference here. And I'll I'll try to pull this apart. I, you're you're a better communicator than I am, Carrie, but I'll try to pull apart the difference here. It's not why do your people attend church? It's not that's not actually what's important. What's important is why your people, what they say to their friends about why they should attend church. Mm. And, and and actually, because what if whatever is at the whatever's there, whatever is in that piece that your friends tell their where people attend your church tell their friends to come to your church for. Whatever that is, that gives you a hint at what is the kind of um, the most invitable part of your church. So uh, take, for instance, when I was at Liquid Church in New Jersey, um, you know, I would ask this question. I would say to people, I'd say, hey, why? what do you say to your friends when you invite them? And, you know, we invested in a lot of different things. We had killer kids ministry, mm. amazing music. Like we did all this international stuff. We did, you know, we had a we really warm, welcome environment. We had really good, great groups. We had a lot of different things, counseling ministry. But, you know, people would come back to really two things a lot. They would say, you know what I say to my friends? I say, man, you should come and hear this guy, Tim. He's an incredible communicator. He's what Tim talks about the Bible in a way that makes a difference to my everyday life. Mm. And so, you know, what I knew is, hey, that is a core part of what in kind of inviting in our culture was. You know, people people wanted to kind of share the things that, you know, Tim was saying. And the, the other thing they would say is, you know, you should you should bring your kids this weekend. It's it's amazing. My kids have so much fun. Um, and, and people would say, um, you know, New Jersey, we're in Northern Jersey, a, a highly kind of ex-Catholic area uh, or lapsed Catholic area. And, um, you know, people would say stuff like, man, like I never had this much fun at church when I was a kid. It's so fun. It's so right. great. And so for us, we said, we've got to, and we've got to build tools around those things. How, how, how do we encourage our people to talk about what we're talking about on the weekend? And then how do we encourage our people uh, to tell their friends about the great things happening in our, our kids' ministry? So, you know, you know the, the challenge for leaders today would be, again, you know, find one person uh, maybe flipping to the business side, you know, you've maybe the, that client of yours that keeps bringing people to you that like, hey, you should you should come here um, and and do business with this this organization. You know, ask that person, like, hey, I would love to know, can I buy you dinner? what do you say to people before you bring them to me? Like, how, what does that mm. conversation look like? And then listen really carefully because I suspect that there, there probably is a, there's a gap between what you think and what your people are actually saying. And, and what we want to do is double down on what your people are actually saying. They're kind of most invited uh, people. A, such a good principle
1: because, you know, regardless, maybe you're thinking, ma'am, my kid's ministry isn't that great and that's a growth area for us. Right. But those people in your church who are inviting, are saying something. right? What is that script? And right. they might say it's the teaching or it's right. the music or it's the people right. or it's whatever it is. And these are the people who have success. It's not theory. Right. It's like, no, these are the people who are showing up with, and even if that's one or two people in your church, mm-hmm. there's one or two people, like in any, it doesn't matter how large you're, like, you know, you think about who are your best inviters at Conexus? Mm-hmm. I can name on one hand right. the best true. inviters. Yes. Like at, at the end of the day, there's probably couple hundred people who invite. Mm-hmm. Yep. But there are some who are just the serial inviters right. and figure out what they are doing because those are the clues. To what you can help your other congregation learn, because it's actually happening; it's not theory.
0: Totally. There was yeah. a study done by Gallup, Gallup a couple of years ago that found that two thirds of the reason why people attend a church is because of the teaching. And you know, the interesting thing that that Gallup found was, you know, two things: one, people are looking for teaching that is based on, and and this wasn't a particularly Christian study; it was just looking at why do people attend religious experiences. But they they were saying, you know, they're looking for teaching that is uh, based in scripture, and then and then the other thing was that it connects to daily life the interesting thing about this and a lot of church leaders who are listening in are are humble leaders um and i've really had the advantage of i've been in that kind of second chair with great communicators and i've been able to raise the flag of saying hey like we need more people to rally around and listen to what carrie has to say or listen to what brexy has to say or listen to what tim has to say the the lead guys i've had a chance to work with which is an advantage i realize if you're you know if you're the core communicator today and you go out and you ask people Uh, Hey, why do people, what do you say, Uh, you know, and, and a lot of times you hear, well, because of your teaching, it's going to be hard for you to get up in a, in a meeting because
1: of my teaching. Right.
0: (laughs) And so, you know, the thing I would say to, to, if there's executive pastors or associate pastors or kind of that, the secondary people, you know, that you have a real opportunity here to help encourage that in your culture and say like, can we just have an honest conversation here? People mm. come to this church because they're interested in this communication and what's happening here. We need to be very good stewards of that. You know, I often think in a, in, in a, in a real way, you know, last century, obviously Billy Graham had a huge impact. At some point, uh, you know, it, it, Billy Graham came to terms, he's a humble man, came to terms with the fact People like to hear me talk about Jesus and said, hmm, I'm going to try to get in front of as many people as possible. I, I, during my lifetime. During my lifetime. Mm-hmm. I'm going to try to leverage that gift as much as I possibly can. I've had this, a, a similar opportunity where it's not been me, it's been someone else. I've been able to say, hey, you know, your communication is amazing. Why don't we try to get as many people in front of it as possible? Like, Let's do that.
1: Well, and I I think you're probably the single best leader I've ever seen at that. I remember you doing that when I was a lead pastor and you were, you know, operations, service programming. You were the biggest champion of my teaching and you've done that consistently. And I don't see that enough in churches because you've you've zeroed in on a conundrum. I don't like to get up and say, you should listen to me teach. (laughs) Like you become a very weird human being, number one, if you think that. Right. Let alone if you say that. Right. Um, But the reality is, again, whether you're in a mega church, a small church, a mid-sized church, Gallup says 66%. I think there's a Pew Research study Mm -hmm. that says 70% of people choose a church based on the teaching. So whether that's 50 people, 500 people, or 5,000 people, they are there. If your teaching was worse than it is, you wouldn't have as many people. So that is probably what's keeping them back. And it's this weird culture in church world I've seen, Rich, where... People seem very afraid to talk about the teaching. And there are places where it gets very unhealthy. Yes. You know, lead pastor can do no wrong, you know, um, infallible. No, that's not the truth at all. We don't all hit home runs every week. We make mistakes. We struggle through things, et cetera. But at the end of the day, it's quality of the teaching that probably is the greatest determiner Mm -hmm. of uh, a church's attractability and even retention. Yep in the members that attend. And think back in a very small church context, you know, you had this one pastor who was just terrible in the pulpit and the church shrank. And then you got somebody who could actually communicate clearly and well and the church grew. It's just, it's one of those things. And so leverage that. And just because you're going to not reach everybody doesn't mean you won't reach anybody. And so, you know, maybe maybe that's 20 new people this year or 200 new people this year or a thousand new people this year. I don't know. Uh, but I think in accentuating that teaching and the other key points in your church, and again, you tell people how to do this in the church growth flywheel. Yep. Uh, that's good. Can we get into a couple more nuts and bolts? Yep, like absolutely. just, uh, so you said a video trailer is really mm-hmm. good. Mm-hmm. What are some other things that really help Punctuate the invitability and the growth of a church.
0: Well, I'll be a bit of a contrarian with this one. So I am such a fan of invite cards. It's so funny. It's one of these things that people roll their eyes at me all the time. They're like, "Invite cards? Like you mean like nah. physical? Like you're printing something and handing it out?" And I'm like, "Yes, absolutely." Um, in a, in an incredibly digital age, in an an over you know an overly saturated screen age, there's this weird thing happening with you know, the physical invite cards. A couple of years ago, I was talking to Bob Franquiz, Um a uh, great church leader in Florida. His church was, uh, you know, was one of these churches that popped up into the fastest growing church, in the, one of the fastest growing churches in the country. And I asked him, I said, hey, what was it that, that happened in this last year? And he said, it's a little bit embarrassing. And I, I said, no, no, I want to know, Bob. And he said, well, what we did this year was every week, uh, we, and again, so every week, there's the flywheel side of it. Every week of the year, uh, we put invite cards on every seat in our auditorium for the entire year. Um, and so shocker, what we found was, and he said, listen, and I, and so we talked a little bit. And he said, no, 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 really. That's what it was. We, we, we got aggressive with getting invite cards out in front of people. So, you know, invite cards are this interesting thing because, you know how what percentage of invite cards actually end up in uh, the hands of guests? It, probably not a lot, but what they do, I know in my world. You know, I bring them home, and we have this little kind of you know cabinet thing in our back door, and uh, you know, there's our our next door neighbors we've been inviting, and and I actually do think that they're probably going to show up this year, which is great. Uh you know I, I I'll put those invite cards on that that kind of counter thing and for a couple days it's all, all I hear is you and I hear Jeff our lead pastor I hear them saying hey you should invite some friends to come mm. um it's like this resonance that's in there um and and so now, and I have actually taken cards and, and given them to people, but I don't take them all and give them to people. Some of them, they're just there. And then, you know, this time of year, we're out shoveling or blowing out the driveway and I'll, you know, pop over and say, Hey man, I'd, I'd love for you to come this weekend. We've got this new thing happening. You know, invite cards are one of those things. I think we typically have in a lot of churches, if they do them, they'll reserve them for a few times a year. They might do them at Easter. Maybe they do them at Christmas. Maybe they do them at Mother's Day, a couple big days during the year. But I would encourage you, you know, every series to be thinking, hey, we should be handing out, you know, an invite card. Email is another one, which we kind of touched on. um, And, you know, the big principle is your whatever however many emails your church is sending today you should be sending more um <laughs> and and so and and probably a lot more that's counterintuitive super okay. counterintuitive so yes. talk about that okay so email is still uh it still works i know everybody again then read their emails people yes people read email and and so on the on the invite card thing uh well email even if even if your open rates are say 20, 30 percent, which is probably where your church is at. So you're sending a hundred emails, 20 or 30 of them are getting opened. Uh, that's actually a pretty amazing statistic. You know, you think Mm -hmm. about on a Wednesday, if you could call, if you could have coffee with, uh, if, if you have a hundred people in your church, if you could have coffee with 20 or 30 people on, you know, Wednesday morning at 7am, would you do that? And what if you could consistently every Wednesday, uh, have coffee with people? Now it might be a different 20 or 30 people every Wednesday. Would you do it? Absolutely. You would do it all the time you would, you would, you know, without fail. So, um, you know, email is, is one of those, again, it, it, it's, it's not going anywhere. It's, it's still considered uh, people use it in that kind of, um, you know, in as they're managing their life. It's the kind of thing where they're. It's close to their schedule. It's close to how they uh, interact with people. You know, at their bank and how they interact with their business and how they interact with other folks in their lives. Even young folks. I know there's. You know, people are like, oh, nobody under twenty five uses email. Well, I would look closely at your statistics on that. Uh, Anyone in the working world? Yes.
1: Uses email.
0: Absolutely. And college kids. Yes. They still do. And so, um, you know, the so the big picture on that is your your church probably, and, you know, I was talking to a church recently who, you know, was doing some coaching with, and we were, you know, pounding this email thing. And the executive pastor stops me and he says, we, I haven't, we I, we were talking about, I was like, well, when was the last time you sent like an, an email newsletter out? And he's like, uh, never, like we've never have. And they're a church of like 2,500 people. Like, okay, that you're there's just missing growth opportunity there. Yeah. Like, if you just because again, all of these things are about keeping what we're doing top of mind with our people. What we do, we think is like super important. It's like, it's the most important thing in our lives. We're thinking about it a lot, but that's just not the case with the people that are our church. They've got a lot of other things going on. They've got a lot of other things happening. It's our responsibility as a leader to raise what we're doing up in their priorities. It's our responsibility to kind of uh, engage with them at the level that they'll end up saying, yeah, that's, that's important enough, not only for me to come, but for me to invite my friends.
1: And you write really good emails. I mean, I subscribe to your list. I, I, I actually subscribe to a lot of like mm-hmm. Ramit Sethi and others who just write really fun emails to right. read because I want to become a better writer. Yes, totally. And uh, there is an art to it. Yes. There really is. And I know you go into detail in that too, Rich.
0: Yeah, and I and I would, so a little tip here, again, trying to give you some actionable stuff on today's podcast. So if you look at the way Carrie writes his emails... Um, if you opened up one of those emails, I'm assuming if you're listening, you're, you've subscribed, if you haven't, you need to go over to a site and subscribe. But if you look at the way Carrie writes his emails, those are the kinds of emails that your people will open. They look like they're written to a person. They're not right. heavily graphical. They're not, they don't have a huge banner on the top. Too many churches do that where it's like, um, you know, there are, you know, just church newsletter. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Nah. Exactly. So, you, you know, you, you want to have ones that the highest call to action are ones that look like, as if they're written uh you know to you in fact actually i'll give you a bit of a uh, an insider thing i I sent an email last year out. this was on the campsite i sent an email out um there's this guy by the name of dean jackson he's like a communications guy he does this thing called and you could search this online called his nine word email which he swears he's been talking about this thing for years he talks about it as as kind of the ultimate call to action how to move people you know towards actually doing something. Was it
1: something I said, or what was so it? So
0: it's all in his, his nine word email is literally just in the subject line, you put their name. So in this case it would be Carrie. And then you, it's a recall question around something. So in this case, if we're talking about churches, it would be like, Carrie, um, are you, or or who are you inviting to Christmas Eve? Question mark. And then literally that's it. Then what happens is that begins a conversation. And from Dean's point of view is like, what you're trying to do is engage people. You're trying to get them right. to respond. Well, I sent this email out to 5,000 people um, thinking, wow, I wonder how many people respond. I can like literally hundreds Uh of emails back. Now, that's great news. That's a great problem to have. Uh, Way rather have to way too many people, you know, engaging with us. Uh, But you know, email is one of those things. You know, you're probably not sending enough. You're not. uh, You're not engaging enough. We we go into more detail, give you a specific plan. What I would think every time you launch a new series, the kind of emails you should do. The the reality of it. So do you cover that in the course? Yeah, we talk about that in the course. I give a a plan that says, okay, here every time you launch a series, here is the email sequence you should use. Here's Uh, the kind of you know. Here's here's the timing that I would suggest. We, uh, we do give templates, uh, but even more important than templates is really the timeline because every series oh, is going to okay. be a little different, right? So yeah, you're going to want to, every email is going to have a little bit of a different feel to it. But when you send it, I think is what you say the same. That's the repetitive part part of the process. Well,
1: I'm, I'm glad to hear that because you know what? It is an art. I've been studying email for years. And yep. the other thing I would say in defense of email, because everybody, including me, rolls my eyes yes. when, oh, when totally. people say email, it's like, oh, inbox zero. Yes. What a great day. Yeah. when that happens. But uh, here's what's true. Men read emails. Yep. Men do not engage social media as much as they engage emails. Number two, um, people actually do read them. Right. And number three, any marketer I know mm-hmm. will tell you that they will trade 10,000 Instagram followers for one email subscription. Right. Right. Because social media doesn't really sell. So if you've got a call to action, email is the most effective way you can take it. The other thing that's really interesting, and I learned this personally a year ago in January of 2018, and you guys who who follow like social media as your strategy, and you need a social media strategy, yes. don't get me wrong. But Mark Zuckerberg a year ago announced that uh, they were changing Facebook because of the whole Russia thing yes. and influence peddling and fake news. And he said, we're going to make um, Facebook about your family and friends right. again. Now, Facebook for five years had been the number one referrer of traffic to my blog and responsible for its growth. Like literally, I'm not kidding, sending millions of people a year to my blog because you read something I like, you're like, oh, share on Facebook. All of a sudden, my traffic was down 70% overnight because Zuck said, we're changing the algorithm. See, you don't own Facebook, unless you're Mark Zuckerberg. Welcome to the podcast. (laughs) But you don't own Facebook, you don't own Instagram, you don't own Twitter, and they're changing and tweaking the algorithms all the time and filtering you out. Yes. So what I did was I moved to a daily email strategy. Right. Blog traffic grew. Yep. Unbelievable. Absolutely. Because I started emailing. I didn't have, you know, 7 billion people that I have on Facebook, but I had 40,000 leaders that I could talk to directly every day. And I made it in a way that, hey, I want this to help you. Yep. Short, plain text, yep. no graphics. Mm-hmm. Um, Average email is under 100 words. Yep. And here's the link. Boom, there you go. And huge engagement. And believe it or not, gigantic gratitude. Because we're cutting through the noise. Here's some stuff that can help you today. Have a great day. Boom.
0: Well, and there's a lot of businesses that are listening in uh, that would frankly kill for the email list and the address list, the physical address list that we have as church leaders. They are yeah, underused yeah, yeah. resources in most churches. You've, you, most churches, or I shouldn't say most, a lot of churches, they have an email list somewhere and maybe it's in your database. Maybe it's on, you've, you know, you have a constant contact account that you haven't used in a year. It's, it's there, but you're not leveraging. it. It's the same with our, with our, our physical address list. There's lots of businesses that would love to say, Hey, like. I would love to get, pull up all the people who have, you know, come to our thing in the last you know 3 years well the reality of it is we have that as a church because when you check your kids in people are typically giving you their address and when they donate you get their address and th- those two combinations alone are underused in more churches you're not leveraging those we should be taking advantage of that getting out and communicating it's you know I've talked one of the other things I talk about in church growth flywheel is this whole idea of direct mail which again it sounds like so old school it's like man that's like a
1: letter on a piece of paper
0: yeah right but again we're seeing that um I we just just went through the end of the year, and there was a couple churches I was helping um, with their year-end campaigns. And again, people are shocked. I'm like, no, no, you need to write a letter and like have a response mechanism in that letter. People will send you money back, and I and I guarantee you that you'll have you'll you'll get more money back in those envelopes that you send to people than it costs you to send them. And people are like, what are you talking about? Just send, I shouldn't just post something on Facebook? No, no, no. What, think about what the open rate on a letter at someone's home is versus the open rate on about hundred percent, right? And and then obviously your open rate next on a uh, Uh, You know, an email is say, let's say it's even 25%, which is probably where a lot of churches are at today, maybe 20%. That's still fairly high when you compare, you know, a, a social media post. If you're lucky, is getting single-digit percent viewership. But what that is is in the, you know, the the wall as someone scrolling by, and so you know you're seeing it maybe for half a second, maybe if you're lucky. And so again, w- we need to get smarter on the use of these things. I do. I'm not anti-social media. In fact, there's a whole mm-hmm. part of social media or social media, the church growth flywheel, uh, that is all about social media. It is absolutely. Absolutely important, but it needs to have the right place in the overall mix. It needs to be kind of one part of the strategy. It's not um, you know, and, and, and to your point on email, you know, there are too many churches are chasing, and we, we I think we also have seen this hopefully, but I'm just underlining it for leaders that aren't. You're chasing like how many likes can I get on, you know, Facebook? How many, you know, I feel great about you know this number. You know, I would think you probably need to be thinking, you know, the value of an email is at least 10 times, if not a hundred times, more valuable to you. Working hard to collect emails from your people is way more valuable than, you know, getting a like on, you know, a post.
1: Well, and my guess, Rich, I don't know whether you'd agree with this or not, but my guess is that a lot of churches, a lot of organizations have camped everything on, hey, please come next week and like us on social. Right. And I think it's all gone social and social gets filtered out more every month as we speak by algorithm changes. And what I love about what you're saying is we're ignoring the low hanging fruit yes, and we're ignoring the ways that can actually connect with people. And I think most church leaders, you know, to get real honest, are just sitting there going, gosh, I hope next Sunday is better than last Sunday. Right. And it's hope. Hope is not yes. a strategy. Yes. As our friend Tony Morgan says, yes. hope is not a strategy. Yes. Tell us a little bit about um, the Church Growth Flywheel course. And then I want to talk to you about courses, which are becoming more and more the norm I think in the online space. So this is your first course, right?
0: Yeah, I'm super excited about the Church Growth Flywheel Masterclass. We actually launched today, which, so I'm super honored that you have me on the podcast. Before we get to that, though, I want to challenge everybody with one thing if that's okay. Yeah, go. So I would love people, so we've talked about a lot of different things. We've talked a lot about Church Growth. We've talked a lot about you know, what are, what do people think? And we talked about, you know, email and all these things. But, But I would love for, and I've given you some practical steps, but actually the one thing I'd love for you to do today is this, Church Leader. I'd love for you to go to that gas station down the street, or maybe the convenience store uh, around the corner. And I want you to go in there and, and I, I'm going to ask you to, to lie or, or at least pretend. I'm, I'm going to ask <clears throat> you to pretend that you're new moving into town. And I want you to go into the, the convenience store around the corner. And if the guy doesn't recognize you because you're in there all the time, I, I want you to say, hey, like we're moving into town. What do you know about the church around the corner? What do you know about you know, XYZ church? Now you would be I, your church, the church that you lead. In. <laughs> I, I, I want to challenge you to do this. Now I've done this for years. I'm giving you a bit of an insider kind of secret here. I've done this for years when I've done coaching with churches. All yeah. typically I land, you know, the night before and you've done this stuff, carry you land the night before and, you know, I'll be checking in at the hotel and they'll be like, Hey, I'm, you know, I'm here for whatever. And and, um, you know, I'll say like, oh, I might be around on Sunday. I'm, I'm thinking about going to XYZ church on Sunday. What do you know about it? Now, the interesting, shocking wow. overall trend that I've seen now it may be different in your, in your community. The, the overall trend, actually, I, I think as you're listening, the thing I'm trying to get you think about church leader, as you're listening is what do you think people say about your church behind your back? What, maybe they're negative. Maybe they're positive. Uh, I think it does it even get a reaction. So like this is the thing that is the shocker. Actually, most of the time people are like, I have no idea like, <laughs> like uh, and or, or wow. they'll say, I remember once literally I was at a church, you could stand, I was, I had a rental car and so you, and I was just getting gas. And and so literally you could see the church. It was like a kind of kitty corner, catty corner, depending on which part of the country you're in yeah. uh, from, you know, the, the, the church. And I said, Hey, do you know anything about that church over there? And the guy was like, he looked around. He's like, Oh yeah. It was like you'd be surprised that there was even a church. a church there. How about that? And so, you know, I think the reality wow. of it is, people in our—if we're not thinking about how we're impacting our communities around it, that's what happens, right? If we're—if we're not thinking about how are we getting our people inviting, um, that's what's going to happen. That's really the drive behind the church growth flywheel masterclass. What it is is a, is is it's a compression of. Not only what I've learned from the three churches I've grown, I've been in that are fast growing churches, but over 300 interviews with church leaders from a whole bunch of different amazing churches. And what we've done is we've compressed it all down into super actionable, step by step. Uh, system to help your church grow so uh, what i wanted to do was was take the lessons we've learned and and, and rearticulate them in a way uh, that really simplifies for it you know one of the things i believe and I, and i know you believe this or maybe you don't care i probably shouldn't put words in your mouth uh, one of the things i believe is you know if you want to learn something new you want to grow and so in this case church leaders are looking for their churches to grow what you should do is pattern what you do after other people who are are seeing the results that you're seeing now that doesn't mean you're always going to do that uh, but but what it does mean is it's a starting point for you. And so what I've done is given you these six modules that really are kind of six starting points in a step-by-step manner that says, first, do this, start with these things. And then from there, um, you move from one system to the next or one part of the s- system to the next. So I'm super excited. Yeah. About what are it. the systems you cover in it? So the very first chapter is just called, it's an introduction. So it's an introduction to my bias. It it really is an overview. It talks about mindsets. Actually, some of the things we talk about today and even, you know, draw, drive deeper. Then from there, the very first thing we talk about is series promotion, which we've kind of scratched the yeah. surface on today. In fact, I had a church this last year, Kerry, and this was, it was actually a part of the turning point for me thinking about doing this course because I, I had a church come to me and say, you know, we we did that one chapter and um our church grew by 10% in one month and this wow. church is a big church they grew by 600 people yeah, and yeah. they've continued to see that happen and so um yeah so so yeah so there's a whole series on kind of series promotion what you do on that front then there's uh the, the next thing we talk about is big days so, you know, there are four days a year, three or four days a year that your church uh, see two things happen. One uh, is your people are more likely to invite their friends. And the second is their friends are more uh, likely to come. That's super important for us. If we think about invitability. like there are right. times where your people are just more likely to say, Hey, I'll invite somebody. So what are we doing to leverage those days? Um, then there's a, you know, then and so that, that one is not I think lots of us think about Easter. We think about Christmas. Easter's the next one coming up and then maybe Mother's Day after that. Uh, we think about those as big days, but are we leveraging them not only to see big attendance, but then to see uh, that attendance come back after and how do people stay plugged in? And, and
1: you, you know, show strategy on how to do that. We talk about how that to do that. that. Uh, okay, definitely. third session or fourth uh, so third, session?
0: Yeah, third, the, the third piece of it, the third module is is all about uh, cause, which is interesting. It's, it's this idea of how are we making an impact in the community around us? How are we uh, really getting to the point where um, you know we're taking our people out of their seats and into the streets, which we haven't talked about at all today, but there's this no. interesting trend in fast-growing churches that um, they're also engaging their people in making a difference in the, in the community. Now, part of this just makes sense. It's like, how are you um, seeing your people uh, you know, serve the poor. And and because we know that people will talk about their church more if they see their church as a church, making a positive difference in their community. And so yeah. what are we doing on that front? Uh, the next, we have a whole series on or whole a module on uh, social media. And again, I, I was, um, this is obviously a significant change. If we did this course even probably five years ago, we wouldn't have included social media. It's critically important. Today, we've kind of been dogging it a little bit, but it's critically important. But nice. it's important to use it in the right context. And actually, uh, there's a lot of church leaders who I bumped into who just frankly don't know where to start. And and so I give them a system for them to start personally, actually, to encourage them, how are you engaging? Um, right. it, because actually, we're seeing increasingly, even as after the shift that you saw a, a year ago, uh, you know, we're seeing that personal pages, even the pastor's personals page, is getting more engagement than uh, than the church page, and so we've got to get that right. We've got to get your engagement as a church leader right uh, before we think about everything else. And then finally, I uh, talk about the right message to the right people at the right time. And so what that module is about is actually more about the connection side. So uh, you know, five of the six modules are really all about the front door. The course is ultimately about invitability. It's it's about seeing how do you we increase your church's attendance? How do we see your church grow by increasing invitability? Uh, but the the sixth module really answers the question starts to answer the question around okay so people are coming now what what do you do how do we get yeah. these people plugged in how do we get them plugged in how do we get new guests plugged into the church well cool
1: i'm i'm so excited for this oh, you know we've that. been talking about this for months and yes. you know we're friends we live near each other the mm-hmm. whole deal but mm-hmm. the church growth flywheel masterclass yes uh, I think is going to help a lot of people. So it's your first course. Yes. I've done a bunch of courses. Yes. You have some courses. Yep. Uh, before we sign off today, I want to talk because uh, courses have become a big thing Absolutely. online, and I'm I'm a fan. Mm-hmm. I've taken courses. I've taught courses. What do you think is happening in terms of courses, and why did you decide, decide to do a course?
0: That's a great question. So, um, so this course is based off of work I did for a book a, that I released mm-hmm. a year ago. And you know, it's interesting because a course provides, I think, a couple advantages over a book. First of all, I think books are great. I'm going to keep yeah, writing. Yeah. I'm going to keep writing books. But this book, this course, is an extension of what we wrote about in the book. See, the, the book you do write it, you put it up on a shelf, and it's done. Well, this has really all a combination of lessons from this last year and it's, it's, it's presented in such a way, a book by definition, the way it's kind of structured ends up being more like a menu that you're kind of, Mm -hmm. Hey, I'm going to kind of pick and choose where, where courses do tend to be more step-by-step. It's like like a training. Yeah. Do this, do that, do that. And then it also is more, um, it's more engaging in this particular course. Um, You know, it's, it's the, it's the most invested in product that I've ever done for Unseminary. In, in, you know, we got like a real video crew and like really shot it with like actual video. It looks amazing. Um, and that that is frankly more engaging. We 65% of people are visual learners. And so we're using a visual medium and you know, a lot of church leaders that are listening in, I think the reason why courses are good too is because you're using them to teach with your whole team. So you, right. it's so you a, can pull the whole leadership you can pull team everybody together. in We've all been in those scenarios. I've done that where we like give everyone a book and then we say, okay, three months from now, we're going to read it. What happens is the night before people thumb through it or or on the way to the meeting, they're thumbing through it as opposed to a course. Your courses are amazing. You know, take the high impact leader and, and say, we're just going to walk through this one module at a time. My friends of mine that have done the same with your preaching course. Like, hey, we're going to use this. We're going to get every, Wednesday we're going to do this course uh, together. Courses are more um, they're, you know, more collaborative or work in a kind of group learning environment, which uh, which I think ultimately drives lessons deeper, you know. And then yeah. the other part of it, because it's digital, it it has um, kind of an evergreen, um, we're going to update it as it go feel to it. Rather than a book where it does have this like, those were my thoughts at that point in time, yeah. I put it on a shelf.
1: Very 2018.
0: Right, exactly. And so, like, well, we've been able to update it. And the same, this is true of this particular course. And I do anticipate, in fact, I'm trying to hold myself back from like changing Things in it already, uh, even though we've just launched today. <laughs> uh, but you know, I, we're gonna we're gonna be doing updates. You know, when we you know look in the next uh, three four now. months, we're gonna be like, hey, here's some stuff we're gonna add to it because, and a part of that is just even the reaction with people. And then the other piece of it that I think makes courses so compelling is it actually adds that social element to it. So one of the things that people who are joining uh, this week is they're getting access to a private learning community with other people who are you know, are choosing oh, so to you be got a part like
1: of. a Facebook group or whatever. Yeah, There's a
0: private Facebook group where they can jump in and engage and ask questions and, and hopefully share what we're trying to do. Encourage there is, so let's say you're, Hey, we've got, you know, Easter's the next big day coming up. Let's encourage some conversation on that. What are you doing on Easter? What are you, right. you know, and by definition, so the problem with Facebook is everyone's on Facebook. <laughs> yeah. And so the good thing is a, a something like this. If it's a private Facebook group with just people who have bought this, then you know, all the conversation in there is with people with a heart, a similar heart and a similar mindset, which is, Hey, trying to reach our group. So rather than just dumping your, hey, I'm thinking about teaching on this at Easter into any group, take it into the group like this, where it's like, these are people who have a similar mindset to say, hey, what are are you, I'd like to get your feedback on uh, this. I think courses are great. You know, you've done a great job, I think, really leading the way in this, providing premium courses, premium content. And, you know, I'm just trying to, you know, keep pace with that, uh, that content that ultimately drives to a change that says, hey, um, I'm hoping that, you know, as people apply, these lessons. I'm convinced that if they apply them, uh, they, it'll make a difference in their church. They'll see their church grow. Um, and so, so I'm excited about it. I'm excited. So about So churchgrowthflywheel.com? Yeah. So the two things, I it, people are listening in today, I actually don't want you to buy the course. So I know that sounds a little <laughs> bit, it's a little counterintuitive. I, I don't want to come out here and be bye, bye, bye. But what I do want to just actually give you two free videos. So if you text, you've got your messenger app. I know you're you're all good Apple people on the Carrie Newhoff Leadership Podcast. So open up your messenger app and ter, ter, text the word church growth, all one word. Uh, to 44222, so 44222, just text church growth there. And I'm actually going to send you two other free training videos. One's called three myths of church growth. And the other is five questions that church leaders are asking. And then you'll find out more about the course and it does close in a week, but I'm going to send you those so two
1: February 12th.
0: 12th. Yeah. It closes that okay. day. Uh, but I'm going to send you these two free videos today. You can watch those. Now, if that, that texting church growth to 44222 only works in the States. So if you're outside of the States, just go to church growth flywheel.com forward slash carry, uh, you can drop in your email address there and you'll get the exact same videos because we love people who aren't in the States as well. Yes, we do. Um, and
1: that's C A R E Y. So churchgrowthflywheel.com slash carry. Yep. Landing page for listeners of this podcast. So Rich, I'm gonna tell you why I love doing courses. Yes. And you and I have talked about this because we compare notes all the time. But um speaking's wonderful. Yep. But speaking has some problems with it. Number one uh, not all churches can afford it. Yep. I mean, forget the honorarium. Right. I mean, by the time you fly somebody in, put them up in a hotel, buy a few meals, you know, you're a couple grand into it. And that takes out probably over half of churches right, right off the bat. It's Absolutely. just can't afford you. Secondly, I get way more speaking requests than I can possibly do. Like, like, you know, we're saying no 90% of the time. You're in a similar position yep. where, you know, there's only 365 days in a year. You're married. You have a family. Yep. You can't, if you want to stay married, don't be on the road all the time, right? Yes. Like there's right. a limited number of engagements. Yep. So that's a challenge. And then here's here's the other thing. Three, I do a number of speaking engagements every year. Mm-hmm. I can't go into the level of depth. Right. That I can go into in a course, Absolutely. whether that's the high impact leader or breaking two hundred, or you know we got another course coming out this spring, mm-hmm. which I shot a couple of years ago and we forgot about, it, but we're gonna bring it back.
0: <laughs> so, <laughs> it's like, so many courses it's, you forgot it's about. It's been it. around.
1: <laughs> it's been around, but like we haven't done anything about it, and uh, and so we're gonna release that. But um, I like if you if you flew me in, or yes. I'm gonna assume, see if this yes. is true for you, flew you in. Yep. Said, Rich, spend a day with our team. You actually couldn't walk them through all of this in Oh, a day. no, that's
0: absolutely true. So yeah, yeah just the, 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 typically, so I do took coaching with churches, absolutely. And we've done this content with churches and I can't get it done in a day. You know, typically yeah. it's like two or three days of, so I'm like, I'm back multiple times. I'm only, I found over the years, it doesn't make sense for me to meet multiple days. Just they need to chew on stuff. They've got to kind of, let's talk about it. You chew on it for a month and then we'll come back together. Then you chew on it for a month and then we'll come back together. And so, you know, your at least two or three flights, again, irrespective of whether you're going to pay me to do anything, just getting me there, even if I'm going to stay in your basement, all that, the course is way less expensive than any of that. Yeah, so, yeah
1: you're talking about dimes on the dollar.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And so the, the, there is this weird thing where it's literally competing with yourself, where it's like, well, you know, but I think but it's good. It helps more I churches. Mean,
1: yeah. if, if, I was, if I was speaking more, like I think I have 50, 40, 50 engagements this year for 2019. Maybe yep. I had the same last year. Yep. That's 40 or 50 churches I can help, but that's it. That's my capacity if I want to stay vertical and alive in this world, married and all that stuff, and do the other stuff I'm called to do. I get to help thousands of leaders right. uh, through courses, Absolutely. and and at a price they can afford. Yeah. So that's good. Uh, also, there's pricing incentive on your course for this first week, right? Yeah, so
0: we've got uh, we've got bonuses that are if you uh, we'll send you more information if you sign up earlier. But we've got a couple other mini courses that we're putting in that are just this week, and we're also doing group coaching calls uh, that that are only available for people who buy between now and the end of the week. That So all the bonuses okay. go away um, on the 12th. So you really want to get in in the next few days. It's funny, we, we I did these two other courses. The team told me I shouldn't do this, but we did these two other mini courses, one with a guy by the name of Dennis Snow, which some people might know. He's a former executive at Walt Disney World, all on helping your church become more kind of guest-friendly. We know once all these guests show up, we want the people to love it. And then the other was, uh, we, I did this four-part Course with Carlos Whitaker on planning your next big day. So we've included those with this course. Plus, if you order this week, you get five copies of the Church Growth Flywheel book for free. So we're just going to include those. We're going to mail them out to you. <laughs> okay. But, I know, but again, I didn't church, know that. The, yeah, the team was like, you should not include all those, and I'm like, no, no, yeah, we should. I want to provide lots of value. Well, it's so, your first course. Yeah. So you get those, and but those all go away on the 12th. So you're going to want to get in again. You can, if you just text to those numbers or email there or go to that website, that'd be fine. Um, and I'm super excited. For for you to, to learn more about it.
1: Well, I wanted to pop the hood because one of the things we do is we don't just talk about what we do, but mm-hmm. why we do it mm-hmm. and how we do it. And I just want to encourage leaders who are out there, maybe you have content or a book or that kind of thing. You should seriously think about doing a course mm-hmm. because if, you're, if you've are if you got demands on your time, if you've got content that really doesn't, it's too much for a blog post, it can live beyond a book, I think online courses can be the best way. And I'm a utilitarian Greatest good for the greatest number, and you can do it. You can do it at a price that's pretty much affordable for everybody. Totally. And and I think at a certain point, you and I were talking about this. You know, if you give it away for free, most of my stuff's free, but you know, people don't value free. And there is a certain lean in if you pay a couple hundred bucks for something, where people are like, okay, I'm going to take this, I'm going to do this, I'm going to pay attention, we're going to lean in, and we're going to grow. So, Rich, I'm really excited about that. Uh, One more time, give us the text number, and then and then we're done.
0: Yeah. So just open up your phone, uh, go to the messages app, the texting app and text church growth, all one word uh, to 44222. Uh, Or you can go to churchgrowthflywheel.com forward slash Carrie, C-A-R-E-Y. And that both will end up in the same spot. Just give us your email and we'll go from there.
1: Well, Rich, I've been a beneficiary of uh, your leadership for years now and uh, we're benefiting it from Connexus. So thanks for sharing with our leaders today. It's been great to have you. Thanks, Carrie. love what you do here. Well, Rich has got really great stuff. And Rich, thanks for being so generous. Uh I'm I'm excited for this course. I really think courses are just getting started. You know how like blogging is 15 years old and podcasts were X number of years old. If you just need technical training, that's why I do courses like the High Impact Leader and Breaking 200 cuz as as Rich and I talked about when we went under the hood, like I just can't respond to all the speaking requests I get. And, you know, honestly, to bring a speaker in or a consultant in is just off the shelf price-wise for most people. And I lived a good chunk of my life in leadership in that category where it's like, I'd love to bring so-and-so in, but we just can't afford it. Well, that's where courses can be so, so helpful. So make sure you check that out. All the links are in the show notes. You can find that at carrynewhoff.com/episode slash episode 243. Or uh, Rich is actually on my blog and podcast a bit, but you'll find it pretty quickly if you go to leadlikeneverbefore.com in the search engine. Just type in Rich Birch, B-I-R-C-H. You will find all the things. And of course, you can listen to this episode and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And in 2019, I'm subscribing to some new podcasts. So if you're a new listener and you haven't subscribed before, it's free just hit subscribe. Uh, We do about six episodes a month. They will automatically deliver to you and then you won't miss a thing. And we are building a big leadership library that you can go back to at any time for study with your team. And man, I I just love being able to bring the guests that we bring week after week. And speaking of that, uh, we're dropping another episode in a week. And who do we have? Scott Saul. Scott just released a brand new book called Irresistible Faith, not to be confused with Andy Stanley's book called Irresistible. I love Scott. I don't know about you, the culture of outrage we're in really bothers me and the extremism we're seeing really bothers me. And Scott is one of those voices that I just think we need. And we talk about why non-Christians hate Christians what ineffective evangelism is, and uh, what resilience looks like in a turbulent world. Here's an excerpt from next week's episode. It reinforces our self-righteousness. It just keeps us in our echo chambers where the only people that are listening to our preaching is the choir, and 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 it doesn't do any good for the world. And so the less mean-spirited we can become, and that doesn't mean don't have convictions. That doesn't mean don't stand up for justice. Um you know, but, but maybe start by defending somebody else's rights instead of defending your own, let's get to your rights later on and defend somebody else's rights for a while and, and see what that does in terms of your kingdom impact. My, my guess is that it will increase your impact substantially over the, the strategy or method of defending your own rights. So that is Scott Sauls. Next week, I'm really looking forward to that. Hey, if you have not jumped on board with the cloud-based creative team, and that's what you're looking for, head on over to promediafire.com slash carry. You'll save 10 to 40%. And remember, rethinkleadership.com to head on over to Rethink Leadership in Atlanta, Georgia. We have VIP reception access to top speakers you don't usually get access to This year, it's all personal, and we want to make sure that you as a senior pastor, executive pastor, or campus pastor of a church, those are the only people we let into that event, walk away not only with peer support, but your question answered. It's a different kind of event. Don't think of it as a conference. Think of it as a way to edge up your leadership in a serious way. Head on over to RethinkLeadership.com where you will find out more. And guys, thank you so much for listening. Wherever you are on the treadmill, on your bike, on a walk, on a hike, washing dishes, on a commute or whatever you do when you listen to these things. Thank you so, so much. You have a great day. And I hope our time together today has helped you lead like never before.
0: You've been listening to the Carrie Newhoff Leadership Podcast.